Could it be? Stress. Possibly. Did you go to the holodeck as I ordered? Yes. And was that relaxing? It was interesting. I'm not sure how relaxing it was. There are other possibilities we should consider. I want to scan for airborne bacteria and viruses. We should investigate the possibility of an alien intruder. Welcome back to Delta Flyer. I'm Thad Haight. And I'm Stuart Hollis. This week, we're talking about Season 2, Episode 8, Persistence of Vision. Yeah, I felt like there was like something like just out of the corner of my eye the whole time I was watching this episode. Mm. It was staying there? Yeah, just... It was irritating. Mm. Nevertheless, yeah. Mm. I wasn't going to go there. <laughs> but I will go to the synopsis from TV Guide. When Voyager enters Bothan space, many of them died. Crew members began to suffer hallucinations. <laughs> I was make that joke. All except for Kess and the Doctor, who find themselves in charge of the ship. Memory Alpha is very to the point with Voyager crew members experience disturbing and violent hallucinations. This originally aired on October 30th, 1995. And it was written by Jerry Taylor who was one of the creators of the show, uh, would, l- would later, starting next season, be the showrunner. Uh, it was directed by James L. Conway, who has directed a few episodes from all of the TNG plus Star Trek. So TNG, DS9, Voyager, and Enterprise? Yes. What about Discovery? No. I was... I... Long enough gap between Enterprise yeah. and Discovery? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, TNG through Enterprise is all one... Like, block of time. Like, I yeah, would I say you. 90s Trek if Enterprise was entirely in the 2000s. So, you know. Well, yeah, and didn't and, and TNG kicked off in the late 80s, so... Yeah, so that doesn't really yeah. work. But anyway, James L. Conway, uh, we have already talked about him because he directed the 37s. Excellent. Fun episode. Mm-hmm. This one, it was fine. What do you remember of it, actually? Nothing. I remember the cucumber sandwiches for some reason weirdo and that was it that was all okay. i remembered <laughs> okay so so memory alpha synopsis said like the violent hallucinations right well they're not violent to like no oh, no there are some violent i forgot the knife right but janeway didn't actually cut her hand and did the ship actually take damage we never really find out on that well it doesn't mean they're not violent halluc- a, a hallucination is by definition not real so a violent hallucination doesn't mean actual damage is happening. That's fair. Good call. And yes, I believe there was, in fact, no damage taken to the ship at all. Uh, did you right. Did you notice that one of the fake ships was a Kazon ship? I did. I didn't recognize the other two. Uh, well, one of them was the Bothan ship. Well, I assumed as much. And the other one was a model that has been used as many different ships throughout TNG, DS9, and Voyager. Just, like... This is what a generic spaceship looks like? Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's let's talk about this episode. Mm-hmm. So we open with Janeway briskly walking down the hall when Tom Paris calls her because he has something he wants to talk about with her, about navigation or something. Mm-hmm. And then Neelix appears out of nowhere because he apparently asked the computer, hey, computer, how can I best ambush Janeway in the hallway? Probably. Well, he literally tells us this. The computer told me I'd find you on deck 11, section 4B, starboard side, and sure enough, here you are. Yeah. And then Tuvok calls her, and she's just... No, Tuvok doesn't call her right away, but anyway. 
So Janeway has clearly got a lot on her mind. And she's clearly frustrated. I actually, at this point, wrote, wrote down that if Janeway is this way when she meets the Bothans, or Bothans, many Bothans will die. For real. <laughs> so we get to engineering, where they are finally getting know, around to right? thinking about, because as we know from later episodes, they don't actually finish this job. Nope. Finally getting around to trying to install additional hollow emitters throughout the ship, and I have to wonder how on earth is it so hard? Especially since they have just spare hollow emitters lying around in storage. Okay, so, you know, throwing back to our conversation before the episode, and as anyone who follows you on Twitter knows, because you can't help yourself from talking about it every, like, couple of months or something, you have a home projector and theater. Yeah. How hard was it to take this projector off the shelf, plug it in, and get it, like, properly calibrated? I mean, it was kind of annoying, but it took only a few hours. Right. So imagine you're a Starfleet engineer. Yeah. I feel like I get that they're doing stuff in 3D with, like, like photonic matter or whatever, but come on now. Right. (laughs) Like... How hard can this possibly be to install a hollow, hollow emitter? Yeah. And you know what? This is why Harry Kim is an ensign. <laughs> he can't just call up Jamie and be like, hey, Jamie, we've got something awesome to show you, and then have it break? Come on now. That's not how you get promoted. Well, Janeway kind of reacts that way, yeah. That's what I'm saying, yeah. I was also kind of hoping that the doctor would sound like this. <laughs> According to Robert Picardo, his uh, two young daughters really loved that scene. It's kind of a funny scene. Yeah. It's like basically the only funny scene in the whole episode. Robert Beltron and Roxanne Dawson apparently had a lot of trouble not bursting out laughing in uh, the Chakotay Torres uh, passion scene. So I got to think about the passion scene. Yeah. And this is something that I see in like Hollywood a lot where they do this thing where it's like, like they can't just kiss someone they have to do like furious rapid fire kissing yes and i don't understand i have never yeah yeah like certainly not like in like i have i have been you know there has been you know furious kissing done in my life but it's never like the first time you kiss someone it's never been that but it always is in the movies and tv I mean, not always, always. Like, like the other, like the other in the spectrum is like when it's like the two people who are like, like, finally decided to like rip each like rip rip each other's clothes off and go at it. Like the other end of the spectrum is like they kiss for a solid eight and a half minutes. Yeah. Like, like undisturbed. I don't even know how they're breathing. Word. But anyway, we're, we're like getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. The doctor. This is when Tuvok calls down to Janeway, mm-hmm. and she's like, well, okay, I, I will try to find the time. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, the doctor calls her over, and she stoops down to talk to him. Uh, and he orders her to the holodeck for some R&R. This is thankfully the final time that we see the Gothic Hollow novel. And I'm watching this thing, how on earth is this relaxing for her? I know, right? Well, I think that was kind of the point, because she says it wasn't relaxing afterwards. Well, I mean, like, it, in no small part, almost certainly because it was not going as she was expecting it to. Yeah. You know, that probably contributed to it not being particularly relaxing. But even when things are going as expected, how is it relaxing to be around these snotty, stupid children 
I don't like how the cook cuts the cucumber sandwiches. I've brought this up before. Does she actually spend time in the holodeck teaching them? She must. How is that relaxing? That's what I'm saying. Also, why isn't she just wearing hollow clothes? That's an excellent question. I mean, I understand, like, you know, we'll see this in later episodes of Voyager, and we saw it in episodes of um, Next Generation as well, where they'll get changed into different clothes before beaming down to a planet. Mm-hmm. But why do they have to do that before going to the holodeck? I don't know, but they always do on TNG, DS9, and Voyager. I know. I think about, uh, I guess it was First Contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and they get changed back to their regular attire, like, spookily fast. It's very strange. Ethan anyway. Phillips is in that scene. Is he? Yeah, he's... Is he one with the deckhands or something? Oh, you're thinking Generations. Oh, I was thinking Generations. Because there's also... The... Yes, he was in First Contact. In the holodeck yes. scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tim Russ is in Generations. Yes. But he has curved ears, so he's not Tuvok. No, it's Tuvok undercover. <laughs> His assignment was ending on Tuesday. Nice. Thank you. So we're back in Janeway's quarters. Yes, we are. And she's thinking about the fact that the hollow guy kissed her. Mm-hmm. And I can't really blame her. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that definitely feel would, would be weird. And this is a question. Is that cheating? Okay. So let's attack that on multiple levels. Okay. One, no. Yeah. Two... <laughs> Even if it were, like, I don't view that any as any more cheating than, like, if your partner is away and you're relieving yourself. Yeah. But two, like, the secondary function, like, as to why it's definitely not che- cheating in Janeway's instance is that she's 70,000 light years away. Yeah. Like, barring absurd circumstances, there's no way she's seeing Mark again anytime soon, if ever. Spoiler, we find out later that he has already given up on her. Right. And who can blame him? Yeah, because as far as he's he's concerned, they're dead. Right. But furthermore, so she's the captain on the ship. We know we have not seen any evidence of any sort of romantic involvement between her and anyone else on the ship. Because of course not. Because right. she's the captain. And she is still considering herself in a committed relationship at this time. Sure, but people need physical input. Yes. Beyond just, like, a high five and, like, the occasional hug. Like, it's something that's, like, coming up more and more, like, in our current timeline of, like, more, like increasingly num- like increasing numbers of people who are, like, touch-starved effect- like effectively. Uh, so I really can't blame her for, like, like, falling into this circumstance with the hollow guy, even if he was going off script. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't consider it cheating either, but I could see where someone could make the argument that it is. I can see their argument, and I reject it. It's a hologram. Um, also, Mark, Mark is wearing a really ugly sweater in that picture, so that's reason number four as to why it's all, not cheating. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. It's a really ugly sweater, and then he's wearing it again, like later in the episode. Mm. It's an ugly sweater. Anyway. anyway. So after after that, Janeway goes to Janeway goes to the I think she goes to the bridge next, right? Yes, because the because she has been notified that the Bothans have appeared. Yeah, 
and then she's gonna like consult with neelix about the bothans right but over lunch because neelix like the doctor is also concerned that her current stress levels could be relieved by only what he can bring to the table i mean on the one hand it's a valid concern and something to think about and everything else but on the other hand what i see neelix relieving stress is not like what i think no, I just don't think he should have, like, asked that question on the bridge in front of the whole crew. There's that, too. Like, a slightly, like, more tactful way of managing it maybe could have been, like, like, how about we do this over lunch or something like that, or let's step into your ready room, and then he can bring up the whole, like, have you eaten yet or anything like that. Like, because to bring that up in front of the whole crew, even though all of them have at some point, well, not all of them, but, like, half of them have, like, already interacted with her and gotten, like, a snippy reply... It's still, like, you don't undermine the captain on the bridge. Yeah. So, yeah, she goes down to the holiday, or not the holiday, the mess hall with Neelix, and he has laid out a veritable feast. Although, that said, there really isn't that much food if it's, like, there as buffet style for the whole crew. I was thinking that, too, as he was, like, shoveling the food onto her plate. It's like, if everyone's going to get those portions by, like, person number 12, yeah. they're going to be out of food. That's what I'm thinking. Also, what makes the throck deviled? Uh... What makes eggs deviled? I don't know. That's why I was wondering this. I've only ever heard, like, deviling in terms of, like, food cake and eggs. Well, it's not deviling for the food cake. It just belongs to the devil. Oh, that's true. Then just eggs. I have heard deviled before for other things. I'm... Is it like pickling? I want to say deviled ham is a thing. That is a thing. So maybe it is like pickling. But pickled ham is a thing. Well, deviled eggs do have vinegar in them, so that would make a certain amount of sense. Okay, okay. So maybe it's like Karanian vinegar. Mm. Hmm. Okay, so deviled ham is ground ham with added spices. The act of deviling, or spicing and sprucing up, is apparently what it is. So, like... Okay, so it's, like it's, it's it, you know, it, it's spiced and spruced throck. It's throck plus. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And then Janeway picks up a cucumber sandwich and asks where he got those. Yes, but the cook didn't cut them right. No. And no. Uh, we'll notice, oh, We you may not notice on the first watch, but on the second watch, through, you definitely notice that neither Janeway nor Neelix say what they are. Correct. Yeah, I, I, I did notice that. Yeah, definitely on the second watch through. Because I wasn't paying... I mean, I noticed the cucumber sandwiches. I wasn't paying that close of attention to little details. Yeah. And then obviously the teacup, which matched what the little girl had. Yeah, and Neelix said he found it in storage. There's, right. They're finding so many things in storage this episode. They've been in the Delta Quadrant for like a year now. How have they not already cataloged everything in storage? Yeah, I noticed that too. It was like, well, we've, you know, we got these hollow emitters out of storage. I mean, it makes sense for them to have spare hollow emitters. It does. Spare teacups? Yeah, that makes sense as well. I mean, but, I guess. Okay. Wouldn't they just replicate more? But, yeah, that's, that was my thought. Because, like, when she orders the ice cream later, and I'll get to that. Finish your thought. Finish your thought. I was just going to say, if there were teacups in storage, how have they not been cataloged and, like, added to the supply of dishes at some point in the last eight months or something? Yeah, for real. Like, how do they not have, like... Everybody on double duty shifts the first couple of weeks in the Delta Quadrant. Like, okay, we need to get a solid handle on everything on the ship. Right. Especially since they have such stingy replicator rations. Like, clearly, 
everything matters. Yeah, they know how many torpedoes they have, not that they care. <laughs> they probably know how many shuttlecraft they have. Then again, maybe they not don't. Not that it matters. They certainly don't act like they do. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sure there's one, I'm sure there's one in, like, Tom Paris's closet or something. <laughs> it's one of those uh, that you, like, add hot water and it becomes a full-size <laughs> shuttle. No, 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 it's like from Back to the Future. You put, like, a little, like, Hot Wheels-sized shuttle in, like, a box, and out pops a full-size shuttle. Mm. Or, like, Ant-Man. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the box that was the building should still have weighed as much as a building and shouldn't have been able to be wheeled around on a little suitcase, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen Ant-Man, too. Oh, really? Oh, no. you're missing out. I've heard. Anyway. So, she leaves the mess hall, and she sees the little girl in the hallway. Yeah. And I was really expecting her to round the corner and, like, run, like, full bore into a crew member. Yes, I was, too. So then she goes down to engineering to talk to Harry and Bellana because she figures that what they're doing with the hollow emitters is what's causing the problem. Uh, yeah, and she's apparently, like, super forthright with them because Bellana calls out, like, whatever's causing your delusions. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, and then they tell her that, that she needs to reactivate the hollow program so they can run diagnostic from engineering. Why can't she relaunch the program from engineering? I have that same note. Or, like, from outside the hollow suite. Like, like, surely they should just be able to launch it remotely. Why can't she pull out one of her 15 pads out of her hair bun and, like, <laughs> just, like, just, like, call it up wirelessly? Yeah. I was wondering this as well. Right. I then wrote down, I can't blame Janeway, and I'm not sure what that was in reference to. <laughs> that, that, like, in between, why can't she activate the program from engineering and her checking herself into sickbay, I wrote down, can't blame Janeway. And I'm I not have sure why. no idea. Anyway, so then she checks herself into sickbay. Man, you're, you're, you're pulling a me this episode. Oh, I think it was about, maybe it was about her deleting the dude... Oh, yeah, that made perfect sense, because the dude was coming on super strong. No, it was about the touch starvation. Ah. Like, her, like, wanting to kiss the dude and then, like, deleting him instead. That's what I'm saying. You can't blame Janeway for being, like, wanting to be held by someone. Sure. Everyone wants to be held sometimes. So, when she was in engineering, did you notice that the warp core is no longer purple? I didn't. Did I ever notice that it was purple? That's the better question. So before this episode, the warp core was purple. Interesting. In this episode, the warp core is no longer purple, and it will continue not to be purple for the rest of the show. Does Does Memory Alpha tell us why? No, it just it points out that it happened, but it does not tell us why. Thank you, Memory Alpha. Yeah. Big help. <laughs> My headcanon is it has something to do with whatever they did to the warp field to get rid of the illusions. Right, even though it was not purple before they did that. It ripples back in time. Cool. Anyway, so she checks herself know, into, into sickbay. <laughs> yes. And sees another hallucination, but this time Cass can see it too. Yes, she can. Yeah, which shows that while there clearly is something happening here to Janeway, it's not entirely in her head. I mean, I feel like, yeah, I mean, that's... That's probably a fair way of putting it. Like, it's clearly like an external force. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so now we get to her quarters, where she orders herself some vegetable bouillon. No, make that coffee ice cream. So here's my beef with this. I, I have two beefs with this. Coffee ice cream is gross. I have three beef with this. One is that it's not beef bouillon, even though I don't eat beef. Two is... Well, that goes goes along with your theory that they don't eat meat. Right. Why is there a long enough lag time between finishing your request and being able to then say, cancel that request before it fulfills your request? I wonder if the computer knows that people are people. and I suppose. Yeah. Like, it deliberately waits just in case. That would annoy me. That would annoy the heck out of me, yeah. Like, because, like, the nine times out of ten where I know what I want when I walk up to the replicator, I don't want to have to wait in case I'm indecisive. The one time out of ten where I do, like, all of a sudden change my mind, I'll be annoyed that it, like, acted too fast or something. But I think I'm about, I think I would much rather be annoyed one time out of ten than nine times out of ten. And I don't know what the efficiency is on the replicator and it's converting energy to matter and converting matter back to energy. But I have to imagine it's reasonably efficient. So if it does bring you something and you change your mind, you can just tell it, hey, take it back. Give me this instead. Right. So now we're going to get to the cup conversation. This is So this is beef number three. Uh-huh. Because when it replicates, it's not like she, like, puts a bowl and spoon in there and, like, ice cream materializes. No, a bowl, a spoon, and ice cream materializes. So why were there cups in storage when, before Neelix opened a mess hall, they weren't cooking food? Right. That's what I'm saying. That's a very good point. And I have no good answer to your question. Also, the cups change design by the end of the episode. Do they? Yes. Okay. So, when Neelix is showing her the cup, it looks like like a black plastic teacup with a metal liner. Mm-hmm. So, it's a parallelogram sort of shape. Like, there's like a step to it, but you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. At the end of the episode, it looks more like the kind of cup that you would find on a boat or ship, mm. where it has like a really wide base that then slopes up like, towards the middle for, like, an inch or so, and then goes straight up like a regular coffee cup or something. Oh, so, uh, like, the cups on DS9. Yeah, a little. Um, it helps uh, on, a, on a boat or ship. It helps prevent your stuff from spilling out the top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It also makes it a lot harder to get, like, the last bit of coffee and out of when it. when do we see but this? At the very end when he's talking to Bellana. Well, I mean, Neelix could have multiple sets of cups in the mess hall. Why does he have any sets of cup, cups in the mess hall? Okay, it makes sense that he would now have sets of cups in the mess hall. That's true. Anyway. When he, yes, you're right, it is a different cup. For, for Boom! His, his better, I Honestly, I wasn't saying you were wrong, I just hadn't noticed. Uh, but yeah, he has to have cups there for his better-than-coffee substitute. <laughs> that just, like, drops out of the carafe. Yes. It even oozes like ooze, you would say. You could say. <laughs> I have said. Yeah, well, uh, that was about something else, uh, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so back to Chainway's quarters. Yes. She starts getting auditory hallucinations. And then she sees Mark. Yes, and then she is attacked by the nurse with the knife in the captain's quarters. Yeah. Nice. But not really. She's apparently still in sickbay. Like, 
She never left sick bay. Was she in sick bay the whole time? Did they take her to sick bay? Was the coffee ice cream fake? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering from this whole scene too. Because like, like the doctor tells her like go to your quarters and just like, hang out there. Like he never says like you're medically relieved of duty, but like that's kind of like the implication. Mm-hmm. But then she's back in sick bay, and Tuvok's there. Maybe like did Tuvok. Like, when she called security, did that call go through? Did Tuvok come into her quarters and, like, like carry her to sickbay while she's fighting the nurse? Yeah, there's so many questions that we will never know. It's very confusing. I don't like this at all. <laughs> this, is a, this is a weird episode. But then I have to ask, did you, like... Because the very next scene is her giving the rundown to Chakotay and all the... Like, on all the balls she has up in the air currently as captain... So I guess, like, did she relieve herself, or did the doctor relieve her? That's another, that's another very good question. I'm gonna say she relieved herself. Probably. Like, she checked herself into sick bay in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, and there's the scene where, like, they're saying that they can run the ship without her. You've trained your crew well. We'll be able to do without you for a few days. Uh, yeah, like, for a couple of days. Which, like, on the one hand is like, yeah, you got a good crew, on the other hand is like, am I really needed? Mmm. So now we have Chakotay on the bridge, talking to the Bothan, and they're having a bit of a protocol fight, because the Bothan protocol is, we talk with the captain of the ship, and once we establish communication with the captain of the ship, we only talk to the captain of the ship. And Chakotay's like, yeah, well, when the captain's not around, I can be the captain. I'm the captain now. That's right. Look at him. Look at him. (laughs) He's the captain now. Ish. And then we find out that there are cloaked ships... And they start to back away, and the cloak ships appear and fire. Yes, and we get evasive maneuvers, Gamma 5, and Beta something else. Beta 2. Cool. And I'm just... Yep. I've had this complaint before. Yep. I'm going to keep complaining about it. That's why I wrote them down. Why can't whoever has the con just tell the helmsperson evasive maneuvers well, and let in them... in this case... Paris was calling his own evasive maneuvers. Well, no, because Chakotay called the evasive maneuvers, some stuff happened, and then Paris called out his own evasive maneuvers. Yeah. So maybe, like, after the captain or whoever's in charge calls out the first evasive maneuver, like, at that point, like, the helmsman, like, performs that one, and then, I mean, I have to imagine that, like, the maneuver is only, like, a couple of moves or something. Yeah. And after that point, it's not like, well, now let me just stop. Tell me what to do now, Captain. And then they like, continue performing evasive maneuvers of their own accord. But why do they have names? Like, why is that important? I can't tell you. I mean, I'm not a pilot, and I've never, like, known a military pilot, so maybe they do have names, like, in the military for, like, standard evasive maneuvers. But I don't know. Dogfight is also not a thing that we do anymore. Yeah. Not. Really, no. Too close for missiles, Goose. I'm switching to guns. Well, I mean, when was the last time we fought an enemy that had planes? They all have planes. Sort of. I mean, for the most part, we just, like, throw missiles at them from, like, really far away. Right, well, that's what I'm saying. When was the last time we fought an enemy that also had fighter jets? Vietnam, right? No. I mean... I can give you one ten years more recent than Vietnam. A couple of times we attacked Syria, and we shot down some of their planes. Okay. Did Iraq have uh, planes? Yeah. Okay. Just not many. We, sh- 
Right, but there's also like there's a joke going all the way back to basically like World War Two. By the way, who won the air war? Ah, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> because like, and that joke is like slightly less relevant today. Because having air superiority means that you also have, like, drone superiority, and you have AWACS superiority, and, like, uh, gunship superiority, and, like, all these, like, other benefits that come from controlling the airspace. But it's still sort of a valid point. Like, the fighting happens on the ground. Like, it's important to control the airspace, but the fighting happens on the ground. I would... I would say that in World War Two, if we hadn't managed to control the airspace, the war would have lasted a lot longer. Yeah. Especially because if it meant we weren't controlling the airspace, it probably would mean that the Nazis were still bombing Britain. That's true. But we're going a little far afield. Yes. So... So now, the whole crew is going to get hallucinated. Right, and Janeway comes to the bridge when she feels the, uh... Atta- the... Cause the ship, cause she, cause the ship is under attack, or so everyone thinks. Mm-hmm. Like including the doctor. Yeah, that's weird. Um or like or he certainly doesn't like protest, but Captain were not under attack. So that's why I was wondering, like, were they actually damaged? So like that's why I was wondering that. Like that's some like impressive like hallucination field action to like make the whole ship shake. I don't think they were, but they could have been. We have that weird thing at the end, and even Janeway says they're not sure if they were ever really there or not. Right. So, I don't think they were actually damaged, because if they were actually damaged, then they must have really been there. Right. Yeah, it's... I don't know. So, yes, because they think the ship is under attack, Janeway goes to the bridge. And that's when, yes, the Bothan turns into Mark and turns into different people for everybody. Uh, And you may or may not have noticed, but is he... I did. Okay. That it's a different actor that plays Admiral Paris? Yes. Okay. I was, like, half concerned you were going to be like, there was a different actress playing... I can't remember Tuvok's wife's name now. I honestly couldn't tell you. She does appear again, but I couldn't tell okay. you if it's the same actress or not. And Tapel, I think, was her name? That might be right, yeah. I didn't want to go there because Tapal on Enterprise. Yeah, because we do see her again, and I don't know if it's the same actress or not. Uh, but I could immediately tell that that was not um, the actor who plays Admiral Paris later. I believe no. I believe his name is Richard Hurd. The, the the later Paris, not the current one. I have no idea who the current one was. Richard Hurd, yes. As in cows, not listening. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so that's when the whole crew starts getting hallucinated. Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised that Tuvok went down so easy. Like, Kim lasted longer than Tuvok did. Yes, yes, he did. So I, That was surprising. You'd think the... Yeah, Tuvok's logical training would have... I liked, I liked the thing where Paris is like, believe me, I'm not even tempted to look at the view screen. I suggest you don't look at the view screen. Oh, it's not even tempting. Right. No, that was good. You know, Bellana calls out that her whole engineering team is, you know, out of commission. She's going to work on reconfiguring the warp drive to emit a Herkaturk pulse to knock out the psionic ray or whatever. So, I have a question in this... Lay it on me. Did Janeway hallucinate asking Kess to come to the bridge? I was wondering that. Because she's in sick bay. Because she was definitely not on her way to the bridge. Yeah. Yeah. She may have. Ah. Uh-huh. That's something I can come up with. Yeah, that's like, in an episode like this, you really have no idea for sure what actually happened. Right. And, like, even up until, like, Chakotay was all like, I'll be whatever Chakotay you want me to be. Uh, 
Like, I didn't think that he was... Oh, no. I thought immediately that he was. Really? Yeah. Okay. As soon as no one responded on the bridge, I'm like, oh, this is a... He's... This is fake Chakotay. I mean, did we already know that Paris had come under the sway? No, Paris hadn't come under the sway, and Janeway hadn't either. Okay, but, like, when Chakotay left, there were only two people on the bridge not under the sway. Right, but it had, like, just cut from Janeway and Paris on the bridge. And I'm like... And, like, when Chakotay walked in, I'm like, I'm thinking one of them might be a hallucination right now. Mm. So then, yeah, and then... And then, obviously, as soon as he says, we may be the only ones and we need to take an escape pod, it's like, yeah, no, he's fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah, Definitely fake. That hallucination was definitely living up to the uh, greater how low do you zip your uniform (laughs) theory. Nice. Yes, yes, it was. Uh, So, interestingly, Robert Beltran believes that that scene shows that Taurus has secret desire for Chakotay. And Roxanne Dawson believes that Taurus does not have a secret desire for Chakotay. It's just the illusions were trying to get people to have not to not feel alone and desire someone to be with them. Hmm. I agree with Beltran because there's when the hallucination was talking to someone. I can't remember who it was. And then it like. Because it then, like, latched on and it was like, oh, this is the thing that you want. Yeah. And I I think it would be weird for Torres to be secretly attracted to Jakote because they have, like, that, like, mentor-mentee sort of relationship. Sure. And, yeah, that gets awkward. So I, I, I would like to agree with uh, Roxanne Dawson on this one. Hmm. So we cut back to the bridge. And Jane and uh, Paris has fallen. Mm-hmm. He engaged the hallucination, which is the first mistake. Yeah, yeah. No, as soon as he like started to tell him off, I'm like, no, that's a bad idea, Tom. Right? Yeah. Yeah, he should like he could he could like talk back at it, but concentrate on the console, man. Yeah. So Janeway leaves the bridge, but locks it out. Good thinking. Mm-hmm. And then Janeway has fallen. Yeah. I I liked that she gets into the turbo lift, and there's Chakotay. No, that was a good one. He like he did not make it very far at all. Yeah. Well, it actually makes perfect sense that when you would get in a turbo lift where you're all alone, that that would be the perfect place to get caught. Yeah, that does make sense. So now we cut to the Doctor and Kess on the bridge who can't raise anybody anywhere, and they realize that they're the only two people who have not yet been swayed. You mean the Doctor and Kess in sickbay? What'd I say? Bridge. Yeah, I'm at sickbay. Anyway... So, the Doctor sends Kess to Engineering to walk her through the last of what Torres was working on. Yeah. And then stuff happens there, and Kess, and Kess saves the day. Yes. Like, it's not, you know, like, she hallucinates a little bit on her way. It's interesting that she sees Paris first and not Neelix. I mean, underlying blah, blah, blah. She does um, see Neelix later, though. She does see Neelix later. Um you know, she, like, then sees that she, like, boils all over herself, which she throws back onto Hallucinelix, um, which then turns into the alien, but it's not really the alien, because he's just projecting himself there, and blah, blah, or blah. Or is he? Yeah. Maybe he teleported and then, like, recloaked his ship or something. Who knows? I totally saw the, you see, I'm not really here line coming, though. Like, he telegraphed that. Uh, yeah, especially, like, w- when he opened with, oh, I would love to accommodate you. Yeah. Um... 
And then it ends with uh, Janeway and Balana talking on talking in uh, the mess hall, like you know were the re- you know, were those really like our innermost secret desires? And if so, I really don't want to talk about it. <sighs> yeah, I. It was fine. <laughs> okay, so so Harry saw Libby, uh-huh. and it makes sense why they don't show her on screen, if only because like we just saw her. Uh, like two episodes ago, right? So they would have had to bring back the same actress. So, exactly, yeah. which is why they could get away with using someone else for Admiral Paris because this is also the first time we see Admiral Paris. So technically, right. Richard Hurd is the someone else, right? And we're not going to see Paris again for a couple of years, yeah. so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So okay. So so Harry sees Libby. Paris sees his dad. Mm-hmm. Tuvok sees his wife. And his homeland, and his loot. I wonder what okay. Chicote saw. That's what I'm wondering. Like, what did other people that we care about see? So, like, what did Chicote see? And we, because we also know what Bellana saw and what Janeway saw. What did Chicote see? What did Neelix see? I think it would have been cool if Chicote was immune, and like they explained it by the fact that he's regularly does controlled hallucinating as part of his Native American spirituality, so he knows how to handle it. Yeah, that would have been cool, too. Like, I would have been totally down with Chakotay and Kess saving the day. Yes! Like, I was already, I was already like, reasonably happy with, like, just having Kess save the day, because Kess is, you know, like, one of, like, my secret shadow favorite characters from these from the seasons that she's in. It's not really a secret. You kind of mentioned it almost every episode. Shut up. Uh, I know there's going to be a couple of really bad Kess episodes coming up, uh, but like Chakotay also is like, yes, Chakotay. Yeah, and uh, it continues the trend that we see so often in that Chakotay is underutilized. Because I was just thinking that because the because we know Chakotay does hallucinations as part of his thing because he's got his spirit guide and all that. So it would be it would have made sense to say that well. Yeah, he's seen the hallucination, but he's he's used to this sort of thing, so he can just ignore it. Yeah, because like up until he gets like up until he gets taken out of commission and turned into a coat rack, he was like a viable and active member. Yeah. this whole episode. Mm-hmm. I really liked cut like going back to the beginning of the episode when Neelix is like, "Hey, Captain, like you need food. Let me take you to the mess hall." She like looks around the room at like Tuvok, Kim, and Chakotay. <laughs> And they all give her, like, a look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that is it for my notes. Did you have anything else? Uh, my only other note is that this episode was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Hairstyling. That's an Emmy? And that's, why? Yeah, those. that was my reaction to that as well. But really, that's an Emmy? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it didn't get it. Yeah. It shouldn't have. Was there any special hair this episode? <laughs> Not that I noticed. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Cool. But yeah, that's pretty much all I have. It was a pretty straightforward episode, other than the fact that it was not straightforward. Right, yeah, it was very, you know... There were a couple of moments that kind of threw you for a loop a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate... I, 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 I kind of enjoy when we get to these that, like, I only vaguely remember, because it's nice, because... A bunch of them, I know exactly what's happening the whole time. And this one, I was... Even after I've watched it, I still think the only thing I can remember is the cucumber sandwiches. 
like from the from the past. Obviously, I remember watching this episode sure, sure, now, sure. <laughs> but the only uh, like nothing's felt familiar like I had seen this before when watching it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, if that's that, yeah. Uh, next week we'll be watching and talking about tattoo. Yeah. And thanks for listening this week. If uh, if you enjoyed this, although we were a little little rambly this time, a little off the rails. Uh, you should also check out our other podcast, Stargate Weekly, which has just uh, started back up. And I would say that in our most recent episode of Stargate Weekly, we were even more off the rails than we were on this episode. That's right. <laughs> you can find review both on your podcast player of choice. You can also reach us at our email address, deltaflyerpod at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Gamicus. You can find me on Twitter at Tyrannicus. And you can follow the show on Twitter at deltaflyerpod. And that's our show. Yeah.